oh god, maybe I'm doing something wrong, maybe I'm doing everything wrong. Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is July 24th, 2013. Welcome back to the World's Greatest Podcast. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my two illustrious co-hosts, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Michael. And Federico Vatici. Welcome back to The Prompt, Federico, too. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing great. Big show today. We have like 100,000 topics. I think we need to address the elephant in the room, which is the fact that Federico is literally recording this in a bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a bathtub, but I'm actually in a bathroom because um, that was the only free room in the house. So I got stuck in here because people couldn't leave the the other rooms. And um, so right now I'm watching myself in the mirror, which is kind of weird. And I'm... And I'm recording this with you guys. I feel like I don't understand Italy at all. Why? Because Why are there people at your house at midnight? Yeah. Because um, they go out in the summer. Right. Have an ice cream, maybe a few drinks. Is it because you live in a small town? Or is it like this all over Italy in the summer? Like that you, are, that you do things most days and, it, and quite late? Yeah, are your friends homeless? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess if you if you live uh, and, um, like in the countryside, maybe you don't go out as much. But I mean, Viterbo is a, is a is a nice town in the summer. There's a, a lot of stuff going on. There's people, I don't know, maybe going out in, after dinner, having a few ice creams, a few drinks. Is it also is it also like this in the cities as well? I'm sorry. In like the cities, like is it the same? Yeah, yeah, I guess Interesting. so. That's cool. Yeah, that's a yeah, nice we, that's a nice culture. Yeah, because you guys don't go out. You, you guys are stuck in your house all, all year. I don't know. What, what do on, you do? On like a Thursday, um, uh-huh. I don't have people in my house at midnight. <laughs> it's definitely Wednesday, by the way. <laughs> or Wednesday. It's kind of Thursday <laughs> for Federico. It is Thursday because it's now uh, 10 after 12. So I was kind of right. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's there's a lot going on in my house. I don't know, maybe there's just people. Uh, and so uh, I, I needed to, to be in the bathroom. It's your entourage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and this is kind of, I guess, useful, you know, if I have needs at some point during the episode, maybe I can just... Anyway. Like, uh, could you bring me a coffee, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, a, and an ice cream. <laughs> like that. Somebody's going to bring you a coffee and an ice cream now, Stephen. There's, there's literally no one home. They That's useful. Left. That is useful. My house is completely empty. I record, while we're talking about this, I, I record in my daughter's bedroom uh, because uh, it's, it's across the hallway from where my router sits so I can run an Ethernet cable. And then there's a nice desk in here that they do homeschooling stuff on, so... I, it's got to be a small desk, though. No, it's the desk that used to be in my living room. Okay. The one that I built out of the door. That That is a very high desk for your daughter. Well, they sit, they kind of... Sit on extremely high chairs. Yes. I'm sitting on a ball right now, which is weird. I just um, imagined you with, like, your knees at your chin. Because the chairs are really small and the table's really small. Hmm. You know? So you're, like, really low down to the ground, so your knees are high up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> like I've fallen over? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I am terrified that one of these days I'm going to fall off the ball. Or it's just going to like slowly leak air out. And so by the end of the episode, like 
the mic is really like at my forehead. Have you ever seen the clips of uh, Leo Laporte? There's like two of them where he's sitting on the exercise ball recording to it and it bursts. I try not to do that thing. It will be in the show notes. Okay. I know uh, there's an episode of the American version of The Office where Dwight has one and Jim goes to like pop it. And apparently in the... I watched an interview or something and like he hit it like right on the seam and it like exploded. And you can see the actor who plays Jim like jump out of the frame because like he was literally like laughing, like he broke, like because it just exploded. But there's no one in the house, so I will not get stabbed. Good. Which is good. Um, So we have some things to talk about. Although, I mean, we could talk about where you're sitting, Mike, but I think people know you record at home. Mm -hmm. Well, from 5 by 5 UK. Which is your bedroom. Hey, Mm. come on, try and keep some of the... uh, Mm. The uh, illusion. Mike, what are you wearing right now? Uh, just a 70 decibels t-shirt and some shorts. Mm, That's okay. good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mike, earlier today in your home studio, you recorded what, even though I'm only a third of the way through it, might be my favorite episode of Command Space. Interesting. Uh, which I think every episode is my favorite episode, but you had uh, the good Dr. Drang on this week. The, is that what we call him, the good doctor? Yeah. Which so so, Mike, you and I now are in the same club, where we know his real name, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like finding out that Santa Claus doesn't exist. I really wish I didn't know. Yeah, and he's a lovely gentleman. Um, I interviewed him a couple years ago on Five Twelve, but uh, once you know his name, it's like I don't know. Things. Start I mean, to I still change. love. I still love everything he does, but your eyes are opened a little bit. Yeah, there are other things that you start to realize that now that you know that. Yeah. I actually do know his name as well. So you, you you get what I'm saying when I mean there are other things yeah. that you notice that now now that you know his name you can't see the same way anymore. Yeah, yeah because I, I had this image of of a talking snowman in my head, and now all, all I can all I can picture is an actual human being. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It. Are you okay? I just. <laughs> I I thought ahead to next week. Can someone get Mike some water? I, I thought ahead to next week and the previously clip of Federico. I have an image of a talking snowman in my head. That's definitely it. Um, it did. Uh, at one point, though, you're talking about the name Drang and some things. And Mike, you mumbled something in German, mm-hmm. and it uh, it really struck a chord with me that we uh, have not had any German on this show. We have uh, American English, we have whatever it is, Mike Speaks, and we have, we've had some Italian, but we haven't had any German. So I was saying, do you guys know any German at all? Um, maybe, maybe a few words. Guten Tag. Einigen? Uh, no, that's not German. That's Dutch. Christ. Jim is, Jim, Jim is, is going to kill me. <laughs> uh, no, wait, uh, there's, uh, there must be something... Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe Dusseldorf is, is that a city? Maybe Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Gloopenblappen. <laughs> Stephen, <laughs> you look like you may have German descent. Do you have any German in your family? I do. I have a little German. A, I'm, 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 I'm like if Germany and England had merged in World War Two, I would have come out of it. Hmm. Hmm. Do we have a Do we have a clip of Mike speaking in German? I bet he could pull it. Oh, look at that! Now he's got. To, now Mike's got to put something in the show. Yeah. Thanks, guys. 
ein Hörfestigkeit für... That's me trying to read the subtitle, by the way. Didn't go so well. I thought I'd give it a go. It, it failed. Glöppen, glöppen, I speak in the German. That's the worst. It, sound, it sounded more Indian. It was terrible. It kind of did. I apologize to both continents. <laughs> Everywhere. Just apologize to everyone. So, uh, this episode is off to a great start. First, we talk about bathrooms, then um, subtle racism. That's classic the prompt. So, let's move on in the feedback. Follow up. Shall we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's time. Uh, so, on episode two, I think we spoke about why uh, like the culture of Apple and like journalism at Apple might be different than other companies. Uh, and we, someone posed the question... If why is there no Android John Gruber? That was me. Uh, that was Michael. And uh, last night I got a tweet from Linus Edwards. Uh, he writes Vintage Zen. Nice looking little website. Um, and he talks about this. And um, I wanted to, I mean, you should definitely go read it. It's really well written. Um, but uh, one of it, one of his quotes was, uh, I think the reason for this is the simple fact that Apple stands for a specific philosophy and Android does not. And that really struck a chord for me. You know, you, you look at, I mean, obviously all three of us sitting here doing this, whatever this has become that we are doing, um, is like because like we believe in something or because we align ourselves with some sort of philosophy that happens to be around Apple. And I thought that just really distilled the whole thing down really nicely. Um, but I don't agree. But Michael doesn't agree. So I also thought that the piece was really well, well written. It was uh, nicely thought out. But I think that uh, Android, the, the Android community and the Android and Google with Android have a specific philosophy, but it's different. And the philosophy that is around Android in the Android community does not lend itself to that sort of outlet. So... The Apple philosophy and community is around like creative people and independence and stuff like that, right? So you have the independent blogger that springs up, the one, two man, woman shop creates a blog. But the Android philosophy is more around user development and like hacking and making and stuff like that, tinkering. And that fits more in forums and like places like the XDA developer site, right? Are you familiar? Even if you're familiar with the XDA developer site? Yeah. Yeah. That There is not an Apple version of that. That doesn't exist. Like this sort of thing, in my opinion, doesn't exist to the level that XDA developers does. So it's just that the philosophy is different. So it lends itself to a different thing. That's my opinion. Hmm. And uh, Matt Rosoff on Twitter uh, linked us to a, uh, uh, a blog over on Computer World called Android Power. Uh, it's written by a gay na- guy named J.R. something. Raphael? Raphael? R-A-P-H-A-E-L. Yeah, Raphael. Raphael. I don't know why I stumbled over that. Um, yeah. Anyways, so he uh, I drilled through his archives, and he's doing a lot of writing about Android and the Google ecosystem. And it's, for the most part, pretty well done. Um, so, you know, I think that he's a, a good example of someone who's uh, focusing on the space. And there definitely are writers who do it, but even this guy's not independent, right? Like he's working for Computer World, which is a, um, a pretty good-sized publication. So 
there are people who cover it. There are people who are interested in it. But uh, I still think the Apple ecosystem is unique in that regard. So we stand by our previous theory. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to add that um, I think that Mike has a point when, when he says that, um, that the Android community lends itself more to, to the kind of writing that you see on, on forums and, you know, XDA and that kind of boards for, for, for the community. And I think that it's also true thought that, that the fact that Android is a, isn't necessarily identified with a single company because you have Google, of course, but then you also have phones made by HTC and Samsung and, and, and Motorola and, and whatever. I think that it's... It, the fragmentation of Android can also be seen in, in the in, in, in the in the people who write about these devices. So of course there is no single figure that you can identify with with, with the operating system like John maybe for for Apple as a company. And uh, so I see both sides, and um and I, and I've seen the, the 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 Android Power blog that was sent to us but even there i mean that's some good writing there but you can see this guy is talking about tweaks he's talking about hidden options in chrome so like mike said it's really there's really more focus on 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 customizing the experience and and tweaking it and you know the kind of the kind of hacks and and workarounds it's just a different it's it's, everything's different yeah, I mean, it's like the it's like the, the the Linux community in a way, you know, all the yeah. forums where people give give you instructions on how to install packages, how to print, yeah, <laughs> how to have a window manager, <laughs> how how do you install applications? Just how do you do it? Nobody. No, really I'm knows. sorry, I can't move my mouse. <laughs> uh, you What's have the up? Wrong driver for that. <laughs> this year will be the year of Linux. Discuss. On the desktop. Forum yeah. opened in 1999. <laughs> so, uh, we, we uh, more recently were talking about the uh, Windows Nokia 1020, which is, of course, the Windows phone with the 972 megapixel camera bolted to the back of it. Uh, Mike uh, alluded to a previous phone, and I, I meant to go back and listen, but basically you got the name wrong of the other phone. Yep. Uh, that has been corrected for us basically it wasn't that big camera was what is, is right. the, the issue that i made is i set a phone with a totally different camera which is hasn't got the great um right. megapixel rate so therefore rendering that entire point worthless right so thank you uh total carnage for correcting us uh we also have in the show notes uh the nokia 1020 was uh reviewed by the verge a couple of days ago um i gotta say like in the review, I think in the video, and then like they have a gallery of sample photos taken by it, and most of them are really good. Like, um, I think the thing's doing a pretty decent job at you know taking cameras. Seems to suffer in low light, uh, and that's that's pretty common for most sensors. Um, I mean, even though it's forty three or forty one megapixel or whatever, it's it's so physically small sensor, and a lot of small sensors have trouble in low light. But like the daytime photos and stuff looked really good. Um, I still don't know if I would want it i don't think i do i don't but um interesting to see see that review we also have some follow-up uh we didn't group these very well that's my fault uh talking about apple's religion type stuff um there was a (laughs) 
an article um, in the New York Times on their uh, on the their, their book site or whatever about AppleScript. Um, Federico, did you see this? Oh yeah, I did, and it, and it was. Um, I mean, at first I got all excited because you know you don't see a, a mention of, of AppleScript on the, <laughs> on the Times every day, but then I got to read the article and. Uh, basically, <clears throat> this guy is uh, starts with 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 a with a with a single r- religious metaphor, and it kind of goes all the way to describe how basically uh, Mac users are uh, are on a sort of crusade uh, against Apple and and locking down iOS and iPhones and iPads. But then there's the Apple Script, which is the savior of. Uh, of apparently this community, it's it's really confusing because it takes this this uh, religion religion thing uh, to to the to, to the extreme. Really, basically, the, the the core topic is that Macs, because of Apple Script, are more open than I guess iPhones and iPads, and 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 the and the guy kind of implies that you know you can't do work on iOS devices, but Likely for Apple Script, we're gonna be saved in the end, and we're gonna return to the Mac. And I think that there is a point to be made about Apple Script surviving to this day and 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 allowing us to to you know to make all these scripts for for automation and all the kind of stuff that we do on OS X. But it's also, I, I guess, it's wrong to assume that people cannot uh, do work on iOS. Because of the lack of Apple Script, and and and, and, and right. you know, this guy also doesn't mention the fact that, in spite of Apple supporting Apple Script to this day, they haven't made major changes to to it in years because it's really not a, an important area of development for the company anymore. So, uh, I, I really would have would have would have preferred an article without the. the you know all the religious aspect and metaphors because there is a point to be to be made about this, but maybe this is a little too much. Yeah, uh, so a little bit of real time feedback, it, and I, I think I misspoke. It's not the New York Times, the New York. Uh, what do they call themselves? Uh, the New York oh. Review of Books is a separate entity. But I wanted just to to read part of this because I don't think anyone will read it because it's like a thousand pages long but <laughs> that's this, really this, big this this particular sentence unlike vernacular bibles some of whose translators were born at the stake apple script arrived without bloodshed apple nailed its 95 thesis to its own door a little heavy little heavy-handed <laughs> yeah um, i mean i told you <laughs> just a yeah. touch <laughs> yeah but i think you know i think part of it too is like i don't i don't know the number i don't know if anyone does but like the vast majority of mac users have no idea what apple script is Right, like the three of us who are power users know what it is, and Federico, I think between the three of us, you probably use it um, the most. I've never like, used it. Bingo! Like mm. Mike or my mom or you know whatever, like they have no idea what it is, and so to say that it's like the savior and that you know people are going to flock back to the Mac because of Apple Script is it's not a very strong argument to begin with, and I think that when you dress it up and whatever he this article is trying to do. Um, 
is just just crazy town. And there but are so was, many other things that show the difference between iOS and the Mac. <laughs> like, yeah, even from an open and closed perspective, like uh, kernel panics. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that though, that is true. <laughs> I had my first kernel panic in a long, long time, just uh, two nights ago. But Am I the I only one that imagines I blame like, Mavericks. like the KFC guy when people say kernel panic? Like I think of it as like mm, kernel panic. That's, that's a little panic. ping pong. Is it? I think so. Maybe in your uh, neck of the woods. We have uh, now the most important pers- piece of feedback we've ever had on the prompt. Yes. Oh, God. This is, this is massively important. Uh, so Federico, um, you recently were on the menu bar, uh, which is yep. a great podcast about Friend, Apple. Now. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Um, yes. they, fi- they finally got around to getting me on here in a couple weeks. Now that you guys have warmed them up, mm-hmm. uh, and rolled out the red carpet for me. They're I'll ready for the main event. That's right. Um, but, and this was news to me. Now Federico, you and I, I mean, we've known, the three of us have known each other for a long time now. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that you were a lead singer in a band. Oh yes, I was. What and you had music? at least two albums. Yeah. From what you said, um, the band name was English and not Italian. Yes, and I'm not gonna tell you. Uh. Just will you just tell us what type of music it was? It was, um, I guess, indie rock. Oh my god, Federico! I want I want to listen to this <laughs> so bad. Did you so, sing it? Were the lyrics in English? Oh yeah. <sighs> Did you I was such a bad ing- uh, maybe not bad, definitely worse than now. I guess. Did yeah. you Did you write the songs? Yeah. Oh, Federico, you're killing me. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've wanted anything this much in a long time. I really want to hear this I, music. I'm gonna send you guys on a quest to find the still existing MySpace page of the band with two uh, songs oh. mm. and photos of the old band. Okay. We split up in 2009. Why did you split up? Did you have a Yoko Ono moment? No, we we had a fight. Uh, not not a, a physical one. Uh, we we kept the things as reasonable as possible. But yeah, we we had a disagreement, and so yeah. Did you uh, play uh, instrument as well, or were you just singing? I I was the singer, but I also played an. an uh, an acoustic guitar. When, yeah, Did you just when, have women just throwing themselves at the stage and y'all played? <laughs> fun times. Yeah, fun times. I will find this. Uh, yeah, I will find this. <laughs> I will I find know. this. Yeah. Maybe if you're, if you're skilled enough. Dude, the, I use the, Bing. I'll find it in a heartbeat. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, uh, maybe so, you can look on, I don't know, DuckDuckGo. Maybe you can use some, <laughs> some expert search engine or whatever. That's right. Uh, Siri, find me Federico's <laughs> band. Um, You're doing uh, a lot of off-mic humor today. I know. I'm really feisty. And so I tweeted that I was drinking a mocha with a raw egg dumped into it. And like people were like, are you serious? No, I wasn't serious. What uh, is a mocha? Like is a that what, one of those fake coffee beverages that you oh, guys have? Wow. Wow. What is a mocha? It's uh, coffee and chocolate <laughs> Yeah, things. it's coffee, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'm getting there. I found Federico's uh, MySpace page. No, no way. I have. I found it. So now, Let me tell you what was in my mocha because this coffee shop just opened around the corner from our office, and they use Square, which is cool, except that it never works. And their receipts 
have the ingredients. So I, I had an iced mocha. So I had espresso, milk, and chocolate over ice. That's all you need. And you and you dropped an egg in it? No, that was the joke, but people freaked out. Ah, okay. So, Mike, it, you found the page? Yeah, I think I found your band. Oh, please, Are you sure? please. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, man. Send me, Can, send me the link. Hang on, no, 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 no. I think no. I found it, guys. Mike, I think I found you, it. Mike, are you set up to pipe that audio into the show? No, no I'm please, not. Come on. Well, I mean, I can put it in. I can't play it right now, but I can put it in. No, I, we need it. We need our our immediate reaction to it on the air. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to hear it though. Don't you have a mixer? Like, yeah, but I've changed this the, because we do the local recordings. I've had to change it. Why are you doing this to me? You you gave me the information. You dared him. You <laughs> you edged him on. The thing like this is something that you will learn about me, and I, Federico, and, and and many hosts learn this about me. I am very good at searching the internet, like exceedingly oh, yeah. good. That's a super useful skill. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Did you did you put? <laughs> Did you put that on your resume? I think I'm I very should. good at searching Google. So Federico, I'm going to send you the name of the band in <laughs> in the Skype chat, okay? Let's see. Let's see, okay. Wait, in Skype chat. Oh god. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! So This is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's You found it. So does it go in the show notes? I feel like I don't want. I feel like I want the show to continue. So <laughs> yeah, whatever. Do whatever you want. That, that sounds like one of those like do whatever you want, but don't expect me to be here next week. No, it's it's fine, really. Are you sure? Because I can just I can press a button and it goes in the show notes. Yeah, it was a lot of years ago, uh, and it was a great. Time. We had a great time. So that's uh, that's what's important with that kind of stuff. But it's in there, care. so now people can enjoy your music. And I look forward very much to listening to this as soon as we're finished with the show. And, you, you know, we were actually talking about... So a friend of mine is organizing a, a big party in, in, in my town with, like, 300 people. Oh, and man. we were kind of discussing over a few drinks the other day about doing, you know, kind of a one-night-only comeback. Oh, to, amazing. For, for, yeah, uh, but it's been four years, so I don't know if I still got it. So. Hang on. Let's see. In the spirit of people singing. Oh, don't. Uh, I have something. <laughs> <laughs> That's me at the loop party. Thank you. <clears throat> I can just cut that right out, but I won't. But so, you uh, won't because you have journalistic integrity. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, and I'm sure that you do. <laughs> this will be the most all-time viewed show notes ever. 5x5.tv slash prompt slash six. And to make it better, Federico, I will put the Vine video of me. Um, yes. I need the link for that, though, Stephen. Okay. I will put the Vine video of me. I'll just put it on the top page. I'll just put it on the top of 512pixels so people can find it there. No. <laughs> I'll put it on uh, on the dropper. Okay, you know maybe I'm just gonna say that if if you, to to our listeners, if you if you pay me enough, uh, I can still be a rock star. So if you ever need, uh, I don't know, <laughs> a, a singer to a very exclusive, you know, fun party, I can still come all the way from Italy. That would be Maybe. super expensive to play at a wedding reception. <laughs> <laughs> Federico, so that- Italy's not that far from the UK. You're playing at my wedding. 
It's, maybe maybe we should take a break and maybe the show will come back. We have so maybe, much to talk about and we're maybe like 25 minutes into the show. Yeah, this is going to be a three-hour show. Probably. probably. That's fine. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, I, you know, don't worry about me. I'm in a bathroom, so. See, <laughs> see basically, as I'm about to take the, the sponsor break now, so you can actually take the break that nobody okay. else gets to take. So. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO, T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. Squarespace are constantly updating their platform with new features, designs, and great support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with, and they have tons of style options for you to adjust so you can create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes your site look fantastic on any device because they have responsive web design featured with all of their templates. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. While you're over at squarespace.com, check out their new homepage. It has some fantastic videos that show exactly what people can do with Squarespace so you can see everything that they have on offer. If you're like, maybe, maybe you have a band that is based in Italy and sings in English. Well, you can see the videos there of the bands that they have setting up uh, Squarespace pages, and <laughs> and you can create one of your own. You can even upload your music and have the players right there. It's, it's very simple if that's the type of thing that you want to do. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. No credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And to make sure you get that 10% off and support the prompt, use the offer code TALLYHO. So go check out Squarespace, everything that you need to create an exceptional website. Thank you to Squarespace for their support of the prompt. And 5x5, we appreciate it very, very much. Topics. We'll uh, we'll do some, we'll do some topics. Uh, I'm gonna we might cut one or two. Um, kind of old news now. It's actually been six days, but a- uh, Apple's uh, developer site went down on uh, Thursday, six days ago. Um, I think was it over the weekend um, on Sunday, Sunday late Sunday afternoon, uh, my time. Uh, Apple released uh, a statement saying that the Developer site had been uh, had fallen victim to an intrusion, and that they were taking it down to update developer systems, update software, rebuilding. I think the quote is rebuilding our entire database. I don't know what that means, but um, uh, it is still not up at this time. So obviously, there's some issues. Apple did say that uh, they believe that uh, developers, what was it, names, emails, and possibly addresses were compromised, but no credit card information, no iTunes accounts, nothing like that. Um, so not good, but not as bad as it could have been, I suppose. But, uh, you know, people are kind of stuck without the developer portal. That's a, it's a big deal if you make your living making apps. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that'll come back up at some point. Did you guys see this link over on the next web about there was a, um, security guy, uh, uh, security researcher who says that he told Apple about this. And then, and like, I guess did it or like tried to do it and shut him down. I don't know. It's, it's sort of confusing. Yeah. This guy basically said that, that he was, um, 
I guess he was researching security in IAD Workbench, which is... In- <laughs> Seriously, I'm yeah, serious. No, I, I read it, but I think it's... Why was he looking there anyway? <laughs> I have no idea. Because maybe, Breaking. Maybe, one person downloaded <laughs> iAdWords. I, I guess the theory is that being iAd something that Apple doesn't care about very much, maybe it was the more likely to, to have a, a security uh, bug, maybe? I don't know. So anyway, this guy is looking at the iAd, the iAd code, and he, fi- and he finds, uh, uh, um, I guess, uh, uh, an issue... With, with with Apple's code, and uh, so he, he uses that 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 bug to apparently um, plug into to the developer portal itself, and he gets uh, like a hundred thousand emails and names of Apple users apparently, but then he starts submitting bug reports to 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 Apple, and and he uses seventy names of Apple employees. So it's really all kind of confusing. The developer center has been has been has been, you know, down for six days. And like you said, Stephen, people need to 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 make a living on the app store, and and developers haven't been able to to add, for for instance, uh, new testers to 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 if if they have beta apps. So this has been quite an issue for some developers. I guess it's good that that. Maybe customer data wasn't touched, so we'll see how it goes. It's been a week now, so yeah. Um, so up next, we're just flying through these. Uh, Powering through. Uh, Apple announced uh, bah, 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 earlier this week that they have crossed the milestone of one billion podcast subscriptions in iTunes. Hooray! Um, and it really surprised me. Both Federico and I wrote about this, as you'd imagine. And uh, the thing that really surprised me is that. Of the podcasts that they decided to showcase as part of this announcement, um, most of them, are, or a lot of them at least, are from like mainstream news sources. And I think um, I was surprised by this news. I didn't realize podcasting was this big, honestly. Maybe that was naive on my part. But I think a lot of that success has to do with like you can get like the NBC nightly news or like NPR and the BBC have a lot of podcasts and you know, stuff for like average people who are non nerds. Um, I think it's great. Obviously, selfishly, we're all excited about it because it's yeah. you know well, it means we're working on a huge platform. It's probably best if you don't ask my opinion on that. What's your opinion on that? I just said <laughs> it wouldn't be best, but we're going to do it anyway. I just don't understand why Apple take the time to make such a big commotion about um, major networks when they could really champion push the, push the independent guys. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. They're not. Like, most of them aren't even creating new content. They're just repackaging radio and right. TV. So right. I <laughs> just feel like they could do a, a lot better job of promoting some of the smaller guys. They did to a point. Like I think Twit and Revision Free got a nod. Um, yeah, and the, uh, the stuff UK, you the stuff you should know podcast was listed too, which is a great show that that I enjoy. It was worse in the UK because it was just old media that got. Hmm. Yeah, and it's the same push. in Italy. Yeah, they, and, they, and they I found they, it really frustrating. They they pick people who repackage basically public TV and radio. Yep. Okay. It may have been different uh, if seventy decibels was still around because we were a featured UK provider. So. Yeah. But anyway. Um. So uh, up next yesterday, up next comma yesterday, <laughs> English is really hard. Uh, Apple had its uh, quarter three earnings call, uh, high level stuff, um, revenue basically flat year over year, profit was down something like twenty two percent. Uh, Max year over year down a little bit, which is not surprising. Uh, they're still doing better than the PC, like the Windows OEM market, but 
Um, I think John Gruber either wrote or tweeted something that like he thinks that max sales half peaked. Like I tend to agree with that. Um, it was in his um, Daring Fireball um, article. Yeah, he's, it wasn't really an article. It was more of a link. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. Um, the iPad was down, which I, I want to talk about briefly. You guys have any, any suggestions or reasoning you guys think the iPad was down? I think it's mainly because of the, of the fact that last year they had an iPad 3 coming out in, in March. Mm-hmm. And this year they just had the iPad 4 and the iPad mini during the holiday season. And so they had great sales of the iPad in, in, the, in, the, in the fourth quarter of, of the fiscal year. And, and that's, those sales kind of leveled down in the, in, the, in the past two quarters. And, and right now, of course, because they didn't have any, any new launches, they didn't have an iPad 5 coming out in March or April. So, of course, right now sales are down because people, I guess, are waiting for, for September or October or whatever they're going to they're gonna do. It. I don't know, but I guess it's, it's, it's expected in a way. Yeah. But that's interesting because at the same time, the iPhone had the best June quarter it's ever had. And the iPhone has now for several years been on a fall, on a fall release. And so... Wasn't there a major chain in the US that was offering rebates? For the phone? For phones. I don't like know. for iPhones. And Patrick Roan took, took a... He did this. I know Best Buy and people, I mean, there are there specials like that that float around. Um, but I don't think that would, you know, account for the the big uptick in iPhone sales. No, but, but it may have helped. You know, uh, I maybe. Know. I mean, I don't think I don't think to a large degree. Okay. Um, but I mean, hey, the iPhone uh, did really uh, did really well. I was, I was looking at the exact number. Um, it seems I strange. Ha- I hate how Google Documents like redirects you through a different URL, and you can't just go to the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are two totally different comments, aren't they? <laughs> you just you just made that stream of consciousness, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but but uh, so all time June quarter, thirty one point two million iPhones sold, up from twenty six million in the year ago quarter, which is twenty percent growth. I did. Th- um, I, I think I saw. I think this was on iMore. I will find it. That in the UK there was a fifty percent increase in iPhone sales in the past wow. quarter. Wow. Did yeah. they come to a new carrier over there, Mike? No. Just, just one of those things. Um, it's just got cheaper. <laughs> this is why we're not analysts. Well, no, no. It, it's just because it's naturally is getting cheaper. So it's getting cheaper and free, as in F R E E. There it is. It's cheaper and free. It's it's now yeah. Uh, iPhone sales up fifty percent in the UK because it's never been more affordable to buy one. That's by Richard Devine in uh, over at iMore. You can get them for free, or like by paying ten pounds. And you'll get an iPhone 5 on like an 18-month or two-year contract. So. Okay. It's very cheap to get one here. Cool. Um, Google had an event today, a couple, really two product releases. Uh, one is the, what someone in our show notes put in as the Retina Nexus 7. Uh, the Nexus 7, of that. course, is um, uh, their low-end kind of uh, affordable Android tablet, uh, which really... Uh, I wrote today, it was like really exciting. Like I know a bunch of Apple nerds who bought the original Nexus 7, including myself. I reviewed it. I didn't hate it, but I ended up not keeping it. Um, the new Nexus 7, thinner, lighter, more powerful, adds 
<clears throat> excuse me, adds an LTE option for the first time. And in mm-hmm. the U.S., that, that LTE um, is unlocked, so you can put it on AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon, which is kind of cool. Uh, a, a tick more expensive than last year, uh, but again, you know, better hardware. Uh, that retina-level retina display, quote-unquote, quote. quote, quote. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, Mike, you bought a Nexus 7, didn't you? I did, yeah. Trying to remember, Federico, have you? Did you ever buy an Nexus Seven? No, and I only follow Google events to to get fashion tips by Matthias Duarte because the guy knows how to dress. <laughs> Trust me. Have literally, literally find- somewhere, Matt Alexander is lighting himself on fire. Yeah, I will find Matt's tweet from today. The guy knows how to dress up. I'm not sure that's true. Seriously? Uh, yeah. No, seriously. Um, I didn't buy a Nexus Seven. And uh, and I don't want to. I'm seriously not interested because, uh, well, for the Nexus Seven, uh, I just don't see the apps that I like and that I use on on the on the platform on uh, for Android tablets. And for as for the new dongle USB TV thing, the the Chromecast. Um, right. So yeah, so that's that's the next thing. Thirty five dollars, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's a great price for sure. That's uh, and I guess that many. Nerds today bought one out of you know an impulse buy, but I think that that that's a great toy for geeks. I just don't see the appeal for for the masses. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have to convince people like my parents to 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 buy uh, what looks like a, a USB uh, dongle, put it in a TV. And then configure a bunch of devices running Google Chrome and then streaming, but only from YouTube and from s- some selected apps and maybe a few web services, but only if they su- add support for, for the Google Cast SDK. That, that's a really confusing message. I mean, even the Apple TV device, it, it, I, I guess it's more, it's more clear as a, as a message than this Chromecast thing. Yeah. And, uh, Maybe it's great technology. I just don't see it as a as a as a revolution. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sold out on Amazon in less than an hour, which is something. Of course, well, if they only if they only had ten in the warehouse, that's quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the, think, HP, I, the HP Touchpad sold out when they had the fire sale. Yeah, so, and it's also like <laughs> it's super cheap. If you are a Netflix user, you get three months of Netflix for free with it. So it works out at costing you about eleven dollars after tax. Yeah, and it it streams. Or it'll support Netflix, YouTube, Google Play, and then anything through the Chrome browser. So it's kind of like a – this is not a good analogy, I don't think. But it's kind of like a Google AirPlay type thing. I mean, that's if what it is. You know, no, that's, I mean, what, it, like, that's it. Yeah. Man. I mean, if you've got Android stuff running around, then and you know, AirPlay doesn't work for that super well. Especially if you're on Windows and using Chrome. Like if you're on the Mac – if you're, if you're on a, a recent Mac and you're running Mountain Lion or Mavericks, you know, you can AirPlay – Anything from the Mac to the TV, but this is a little bit different take on it. Thirty-five bucks, so it's pretty hard to argue with. And they're I mean, opening I, up I'm the not, SDK, so you know iOS developers will be able to take advantage of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at getting one, but I think it's interesting. I think you know, I don't think anyone, including Apple, has really like completely figured this out. So it's 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 always fun to see uh, other companies. Um, Takes on it. Oh my gosh! Look at that picture of that guy in the show notes. Yep, that's Matthias Duarte and Federico. Is he a pimp? 
Maybe. It's US only as well. How great is that? So happy. Yeah, so, so my happy. parents can even get one. So happy. Yeah. Because um, because being able to put YouTube videos on your TV, I mean, I can understand why that's US only. That makes that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, yeah. Do you guys even have TVs? No, that's why. Hmm. Just uh, microwaves that you take pictures to the front of. Well, and we just all go to the cinema so we can watch the news there. We watch the newsreels. You know, oh, yeah. you know, you know who owns the the largest media empire in Italy, right? You? No, it, it's Silvia. Our, oh yeah, really? <laughs> That's business. <laughs> you, you didn't know? Is 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 the is the like the the media king? <laughs> He'd be he running was, it from prison. No, he's not in prison. Actually, he will be. No, I don't know. The guy seems to to always find a way. We're talking so, about but, Silvio Berlusconi. So. Yes, and he, and he owns magazines, uh, TV networks. Oh man, his Wikipedia page is massive. Yeah, I told you. There's so <laughs> much information. <laughs> Maybe we should cover that on Ingenious if it were still around. <laughs> Maybe we should. Wow. So, guys, we have a special special moment now. We have our first uh, field report. So we have we've had Sean Blanc on, and he was a correspondent that joined us on the episode. But um, we actually have a correspondent who has filed a report with us, um, and it's all about cloud typography. And uh, it's going to be presented to you by Chris Bowler. Uh, Chris is a writer and designer. He works with Campaign Monitor, and he has some great projects, including Idea Cafe. Chris has a passion for words, how they're structured, laid out, and presented to the readers. For him, it's not just about writing and, and creating great content online he likes the way that it's written and how it's structured and uh, you can find chris chris's site he's at chrisbola.com i'll make sure it's in the show notes and let's hand it over to chris so he can uh, talk to you about cloud typography a little bit from the field in his masterpiece the elements of typographic style robert bringhurst says this in a badly designed book the letters mill and stand like starving horses in a field in a book designed by rote, they sit like stale bread and mutton on the page. In a well-made book, where designer, compositor, and printer have all done their jobs, no matter how many thousands of lines and pages they must occupy, the letters are alive. They dance in their seats. Sometimes, they rise and dance in the margins and aisles. With that in mind, we come to the topic of web typography, or web fonts. When Bringhurst first published this book, typography was most commonly related with the printed word. However, the rise of digital topography, personal computers, and more specifically, the internet, has brought topography to the screen. Web topography was not ideal in the beginning. Looking back only five, ten years ago, designers, bloggers, and writers were forced to choose from a relatively short list of safe fonts, fonts that you could be confident would be available on the computers of your readers, fonts such as Georgia, Helvetica, Verdana, and even Arial. These would give a consistent experience across browsers and operating systems, which was a good thing but it not, did not lend much in the way of uniqueness, style, or personal flair to the discerning website owner. Here we are in 2013 and things have changed. Thankfully, we have a lot more options available to us today. Web fonts are more popular than ever. What is a web font? At its simplest, it is a font that does not need to be installed in the visitor of a website, but rather sits on a server somewhere else and is delivered to and rendered by the visitor's web browser. Improvements of HTML, CSS and web browsers themselves have made this a very acceptable solution for most scenarios. Several web font services help to bring us to where we are today. The most used and most popular ones have been around for a time, four to five years. 
pretty long by internet standards. Typekit is the best example, first launched by Smallbatch and now owned by Adobe. FontDeck is another good service, and even the openly available Google, Google web fonts will work in a pinch. All these options are solid. I'll give the designer the opportunity to be more typographically unique, to have more control over the look and feel of their website and the content that they are delivering to their audience. Is this important? Yes. Resoundingly yes. While color, icons, and images are good tools to deliver a pleasurable and unique experience, typography is the foundation. The internet is about words. As Oliver Reichenstein says, 95% of the information on the web is written language. It is only logical to say that a web designer should get good training in the main discipline of shaping written information, in other words, typography. It is no stretch to say that web design should start with the content, followed by the typographical foundation of that content. The availability of web fonts allows us all to create a more unique and pleasing foundation. As web font services improved and the use of web fonts became more widespread, there was still one thing missing, one piece of the web topography puzzle that so many designers wanted to have in place. That was the availability of some of the most popular fonts of our time, those produced by the foundry of Heffler and Frere Jones. During the time that Typekit became the most popular font service, it was rumored and then confirmed that Heffler and Frere Jones were working on a service of their own. We soon saw many popular designers and writers start to use this service. People such as Jason Kotke, Dan Cederholm, and Michael Lopp, and the rest of us waited to see what the service would be like. As of July 2013, the service is now available for all. Referred to as cloud.topography, the new service brings the likes of Gotham, Archer, Sentinel, and Whitney to the masses, and a quick look at what the service offers shows that it is as good or better than many of the options already available. The question to ask then is this, for the designer, writer, or blogger, which is the better option? Do you go with the more tried and true type kit, who have a good record of stability, or do you run with the new kit on the block, cloud.topography, basing how good that service will be on the well-deserved reputation of those who created it? That is the question for me. The reality is, both services are fantastic and you can't go wrong using either one. But there are differences, and making the comparison of the two is a worthy exercise. The people behind both services are masters of the craft, with an incredible amount of knowledge and experience. It shows in the details. So the question to ask is which service better suits your project or your business. First off is pricing. Typekit is definitely the cheaper alternative. With plans at $24.99 and $49.99 per year, no one is going to break the bank. For as little as $2 per month, you can have a great, fantastic typographical foundation for your site or blog. This pricing is traffic-based, giving your 50,000 impressions per month for the cheaper option or 500,000 for the larger. They also provide larger plans for those who need it. One other note is that anyone purchased or purchasing an Adobe Creative Cloud subscription automatically gets full access to the Typekit library. Cloud.topography is a different model entirely. The service costs you $99 per year, and at first glance that would seem to be on par with Typekit, but there is a secondary aspect. While Typekit can be thought of as a font rental service, allowing you to use their entire library as long as you continue to pay for it, cloud.topography is more of an ownership model. That annual $99 charge gets you five free font families, which is a great deal when you think of the cost of the average Heffler and Frere Jones font. But beyond the initial five families, any additional families must be purchased. Now, some of these families are reasonably priced for the web font package. Some will run you as low as $49. But other options, such as the popular Whitney, can be as high as $299. Let's talk about quality. There's a reason why cloud.topography was so highly anticipated. That's because Heffler and Frere Jones are among the best in the business master craftsmen. 
this shows in their offering. Several of their families are available as screen smart fonts. These are designed to work on the screen at any size. The service detects what type of device and browser are opening the website and then delivers versions that are optimized for that configuration. It's no stretch to say that the quality cannot get any better. But that's not to say that Typekit is a slouch in this department. Team members like Tim Brown are focused on font rendering as well, and they do everything possible to ensure their offerings look as good as possible on IE8 running on Windows XP. In terms of quality, I'll give a slight edge to the new kid. What about using the services? Are they both easy to use? Intuitive? Typekit is definitely that. You choose the fonts that you want, grab a short snippet of HTML and add it to your site, then make your font declarations in your CSS code. That's it. Making changes in your choice of font requires a couple of button pushes to see it live in the browser. Easy. Cloud topography is also easy to use, but does have a little more friction in the process. The development process is pretty much the same, requiring you to choose your fonts, place a snippet of HTML to call the CSS files, then add your font declarations to your CSS code. Pretty much the same. But getting your site ready for production involves additional steps. As well, testing different options and making changes is a little more tedious than Typekit. But in the end, it's still very easy to use and no problem at all for the average web developer. In the end, the two models are significantly different. I feel that Typekit is perfect for the everyman, anyone who wants to put some type of content online. Cloud.topography is more suitable to the serious designers and agencies with projects of a larger scale. Both audiences can make use of either service, but I'd maintain that Typekit will continue to be the most used web font service. To close, it's important to remember that, as Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility. In 2013, my nine-year-old can be up and running with a Tumblr and Typekit account in 10 minutes, but that doesn't mean she understands the foundations of topography. Using web fonts is a real pleasure, but be sure to give yourself a little time to learn the basics of the craft. Your audience will be better off for it. So thank you to Chris for that special report. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. And uh, expect a lot of that more coming in the future. I, f- I thought that was really cool of him, and uh, we're going to try and do more of that stuff. Absolutely. We're going to close the show now with a tip from Federico Vatici. Tips of Tici. Here I am. And Hi. I have a night. Hi. And I have, um, I guess, a simple but really effective tip. Um, so you guys know that I'm a, that I use Google Chrome on my on my iPhone and iPad, and. Uh, uh, I already talked about the reasons why um, why I prefer Chrome over over Safari, but there is one thing that I don't really like, and it's the fact that if you use a lot of a lot of bookmarklets, like I do, to you know to launch apps, or maybe you got one for Pocket, or maybe one for Instapaper, you know that it's not as easy as it is in Safari to 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 tap on, on bookmarks in Chrome because there there there's there's nowhere to type because they're, they're hidden away in a in a in a menu, so um, that was a problem for me because I wanted to I want a, a, a way to quickly launch my my bookmarklets. So what I suggest uh, doing if you if you're planning on 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 having many bookmarklets in Chrome is to name them with um, a series of letters that that remind you of the app. That you're gonna launch. So, for instance, I have my drafts bookmarklets to 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 launch drafts from Google Chrome and perform three or four actions. And what I do is I don't call the bookmarklet like maybe Evernote or Scratchpad or Messages. I call the bookmarklets with 
DDD, that's three Ds in a row, DS drafts. So when I'm in Google Chrome, I tap on the address bar and I quickly type on the keyboard DDD and, and Chrome filters instantly the, the, those three letters to the names of the bookmarklets. So it's not as fast as tapping on a bookmark in Safari or maybe on the bookmark menu in Safari for iPhone, but it's a nice workaround and, 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 and it allows you to, to avoid remembering the, the, the specific names of the bookmarklets. So if, if you use a lot of apps like Drafts or maybe Pythonista, if you want to launch some scripts from the browser or maybe Launch Center Pro, my my suggestion is to is to name the bookmarklets with 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 letters that you can quickly type out on the on, especially on the iPhone, so that's gonna save you a lot of time. That's a really good tip. Like I, I typically need one bookmarklet, which is for me to add links to the news, like for five by five. So like as I'm finding things throughout the day, I want to add them. So I might see a link in like in in Reader or something, and I will want to add it to the, the news for later on in the day so it will be in the links for me so I actually called it add to the news so if I type ADD in it mm-hmm. populates and I just tap it so on my iPhone so yeah I agree that's a, that's a really good tip I hadn't thought about giving those abbreviations to other things that would be really useful for me yeah I do something similar I've got the uh, the folder that I import that photos end up in when I open Dropbox on my phone I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago uh, I have it named AAA process. And so I can just hit Alfred on the Mac and start typing A and it, you know, I'm instantly there. Um, so I hadn't really thought about using it in Chrome because the bookmark thing does drive me a little crazy. Uh, I don't use mm-hmm. Chrome on iOS very often, but um, it is a little, uh, a little bit of a pain. So that's a, a solid tip from uh, our Italian friend. Hmm. I think that's it. I agree. So are we, are we done with, with episode six? I think it's done with us. I think I'm going to move just directly from the mic and into the shower at this point. I mean, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you going to take the MacBook Air with you? N- no. Why should I? Because <laughs> then you can, like, recreate the Scoble moment. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe I could look at pictures of Mike under the shower. That's really awkward and weird <laughs> for me to say. Mike. But, dude. Mike. Mike. Whatever you need. Mike. Mike, please end the show. Please end the show. <laughs> you can find us online. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Stephen is I-S-M-H, at I-S-M-H, and he writes at 512pixels.net. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes at MacStories.net. Thank you very much for listening to Episode 6 of The Prompt. Don't forget, we have a Twitter account, too, for the show, which is underscore The Prompt. Uh, we love seeing the stuff that you send in there. Um, Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week, won't we, gentlemen? Buona serata. Okay, bye. (laughs) What did you say? Nobody knows. Bye-bye. Adios. (laughs) I said good evening, by the way.